Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Vance, how are you? Well, I'm doing great today. How about you, Eric? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Seth, are you with me? We're here, Eric. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. I'm, I'm excited because this is part two. Vance asked me to do just a brief overview uh, of what we spoke about in the first podcast. You know, Vance did a great job of presenting and, and asking some pretty tough questions. I don't think I got them all right, but that's okay. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, you guys are talking about the three rules of financial success. And in the first podcast, you covered rule number one, which is the 10% rule. So listener, if you have not heard that, go back and listen to that. It's foundational. It's something that every family needs to hear. And, and you'll understand when, once you listen to it. And then you started to get into principle number two. Seth, can you remind us of what that second principle is? It's never spend your principle. Never spend your principle. And I know you guys are going to dive deeper into that today. Correct, Vance? Yes, we are. We're going to really get into this thing. And we want to put a little context to it. A lot of people know that banks always get the money back we always say in many of our podcasts and when we're making presentations or just talking to people we have to think differently the same thinking that got us the results we have today will get us the same results tomorrow unless we change that thinking so we are about helping people change the way they think about things and and looking at it with a paradigm shift oh wow you know there's there's a whole new angle and in that first uh, of these two podcasts we were able to show you how you could rather than pay a bill and lose that six hundred dollars you could get that six hundred dollars back and make six hundred dollars in your own personal economy. A town, when it talks about principle, the uh, principle for a town is attracting new money. Um, It may have resources, manufacturing, whatever, but it attracts new money. And the goal of a town is now to get that money circulating. You know, from the pharmacy to the medical center to the automobile repair shop to restaurants to wherever. And as that dollar floats all around town, every single time it stops, it creates a new dollar's worth of product or services. We can do that in our own private economies. We just have to learn how. In the banking world, when it comes to principle, they live this rule. The masters of making money are banks. The only problem is the banks are doing it in such a way that they're ruining our our country. They're doing it unethically. Every new dollar that comes back to them, they can lend out 
you know, another nine or ten dollars against that dollar that comes in, and that money comes out of thin air, and that's that's a problem. We can't do that, and we're not recommending us do that. But if we ask ourselves the question again, we have to put our brains in gear and think a little differently. How do banks get the money back? Well, the banks are in the lending business. Now, Seth, Eric, unless I missed the day they gave away free money, banks don't give away money, do they? But yet you and I do all day long, almost in every transaction. When we let go of the money, it's because, now again, we have to think differently, but it was because that money going away from us became worthless to us. It was no longer seen by us that it could produce more than just a single unit worth of whatever we bought. And we have to change that thinking. That money, if we have to go buy something, it's always now a banker's mentality. Okay, I need that, but how can I get the item and get the money back? Simple answer is we finance every single thing we purchase. We're always financing. If you don't recognize that in your own personal life, all the principal that goes away from you, you have financed for the rest of your life. And, a, and you have to understand that here's what happens. That money goes out of production for the rest of your life, which could have earned, what do we say, 20%? Whatever we wanted to attach to it in, in our own personal ec economics, we're going to lose out on that gain for the rest of our lives. Money has to be put to work. So we're now getting into some more depth into why principle is so important and why we can't spend it, but we can put it to work. One of the first things that uh, Nelson Nash taught me and got me to understand as a very successful money manager, <laughs> I didn't know this, that when you put money in an account, a mutual fund, stocks, or any other investment and try to receive a compound, you know, a rate of return, for you, you have put that money to sleep because you have to leave it in that account. So if you take it out of that account, it stops earning, right? And so that's the main reason people cannot capitalize on compound interest. Seth, tell me a little bit about what a penny can do if it's doubled so many times. Well, this was an interesting exercise that you challenged me with a while back, and we, we laugh about this now. Eric, I started to double a penny, and I was doing the math in my head, and I got a double a penny every day for, for 30 days. That was the task. Vance said, uh, you're gonna, you know, it's gonna be uh, multiple millions uh, almost five million or approximately five million I said so I started doing the math day one day two day three and I'm at day 15 day 16 and I'm and I just stopped and I and I scoffed and said Vance it's it, no way it's ever going to get there and he said uh, just keep doing the math and so I just kept doing the math and doubling it and doubling it and by about 20 day 24 day 25 I started to go oh it is going to get there and the light bulb went on and and by day 30 you're you're like five million dollars compounding a penny every day amazing it's absolutely amazing it's it's the value of compounding interest einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world 
Right. And so actually that illustration is in our book and we encourage everybody to download that uh, free copy. You can download and read it or you can get the audio version. But Eric, why do you think people don't get to realize that compound interest? Well, as you said, I mean, if they they don't have the money in the account um, or they, they spend it, it's just not there. And it's not something that people have, have tried to borrow off their 401ks. They've borrowed, you know, different monies. Once exactly. it's out, it's out, right? I mean, it's gone. Yeah, if it's, it's out. It's not producing. So how do we get principal and how do we keep our principal multiplying and producing all the time? So I want to give us a, a, a typical example. Nelson mentions that, and it proves to us that we finance every single thing we purchase. If we save up and pay cash, like our mentors told us, that is a strategy. And it's called a get back to zero strategy. We save it up. We then take it to go buy a car. Where does that leave us financially? Zero. Back at zero, yeah. Okay. Or... We go finance a car, and we make payments to somebody else in interest, and the problem is we don't actually pay for the car. We just keep going and getting another one, but that's only going to get us back to zero, isn't it, if we Mm -hmm. pay it off? Okay? So if we self-finance and put our own money to work, things like this can happen. And guys, I wish I could show you once you enter in and and you get interested, we're going to show you how to compound assets by waking them up. We talked about assets asleep being put in an account. Now I want you to look at and listen to the backside of that mutual fund or that stock or that mortgage payment. Those people have that money and it's not to sleep to the, uh, asleep to them. It's wide awake. They are relending and getting more money back, relending, getting more money back. Money has no value unless it's working for the owner. If we put our money in accounts, it is not working for us. All we're trying to do is get a little bit of interest, but yet we have to take all the risk. So let me give you a little story and an example. Let's say you have a car and you're making payments on it, and you're a little more than halfway through, and you owe $10,000 on that car. And you actually have 10000 or more in a mutual fund that's sitting idle, and you started reading these st- this stuff, and you start realizing that, yeah, my money is asleep. By the way, mutual fund, the people who have your money with mutual funds, stocks, and bonds, they double your money about on the average, every two and a half years. And yet, the compounding effect back to us, we're lucky, and we're not going to net 5%, we're lucky to net 3 to 4% long term. So let me prove to, to you, uh, hopefully I can do this just by illustrating it, but you might want to back this up. We'll actually show you this if, if you uh, take some of the, uh, the offers that uh, we have online. we're going to move, we're going to sell our mutual fund, uh, $10,000 of our mutual fund, and we're going to purchase the automobile debt. So we're going to set up our own bank, our own lending company, and that's what's missing. If we owned a bank in our community or in our 
economic situation, now everything's going to circle around our bank. So we're going to personally lend money to our bank because they have to have capital. They're going to turn around and go buy debt. So they're going to buy the automobile debt. And I say, I like to use the guy in the mirror. He's still on the hook. He signed the contract saying, I'm going to make all these payments until the payments are done. So all he's going to get is an address change of who he makes the payment to. And so if you get the choice of who you make your payments to, would you rather pay your company or keep paying someone else's company and lose the money? Oh, all me, Vance. All me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right with you, Eric. So, so let's, let's take a look at this now. So the payment, your, your automobile payment is $500, and the interest rate on the loan is 8.5% on the automobile payment. So we have three numbers. Whenever I stumble across this, especially with, with extended family or close friends, the Vanflow Lending Institution will buy up that debt in an absolute heartbeat. We're just salivating to get that debt. Eric, why would you think that what, what out of those three numbers would entice me to take $10,000 and buy that debt? Well, the, the number that's coming back to you. Okay. Everybody pretty much says, that, well, you're going to make the 8.5%, and if you do it to yourself, it's tax-free, right? Yeah, that's what I heard on the last podcast. Okay. So what if I took that completely out of the equation and said, I'm going to take it. Of course, we're not stupid, but that has no interest with those three numbers to me and Vance Lowe's financial institution. So now I'm down to two numbers. What is attracting me to salivate over this thing? Well, let me tell you, and folks, I need you to maybe try to think of this. That This will help you give and understand what a banker's mentality is, why they lend money. I've got to put $10,000 to work. What I am interested in is the volume rate of return. How much money am I going to get back annually on this $10,000. Now, I also preface this. Most people have bought several cars throughout their lifetime. The average for 50 to, between 50 and 60 is almost $200,000 on vehicles. And that's if you're not exotic because spouse has a car, you have a car, and if you've got kids, you had to get cars for them, and even though they're used, okay? And the serious question I asked them in the very first interview we're going to talk about, because most people lie to themselves and say, I don't have a car payment, when in fact you do. Anything that's wearing out, you have to replace, and you're going to have to get another car. So you're either going to have to go get principal and pay cash for it, or you're going to have to borrow it from someone else. So you're saving up, or you're going to borrow it from someone else. You always have a car payment. Where we get in trouble is when we use that money for something else. Anyway, let's go back to this now. Let's get into that. What it would be the volume rate of return? Well, that's the $500 per month times 12. And now, my math is correct, and Seth, you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong. That's 6000 bucks, right? So to find the volume rate of return is pretty darn simple. You divide that $6,000 by the money at work. 
and this case is $10,000. So, Eric, how does a 60% volume rate of return sound to you? Hi. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, and Seth will back me up on this, it's average. Mm. It's absolutely average. This is what they get. What they're interested in is the control back. Because now, I, at the end of the first year, I got $6,000 in hand. I still have my $10,000 out there working for me. And when I ask people the question, you've spent $200,000 on automobiles. Do you want that money back? Everybody says yes. Well, let me show you how to get that. It isn't about getting, when it's in your own economy, getting back the $10,000. It's about the economy of scale is what can I afford to pay myself $500 a month because I have to drive. Now, eventually, I'll have to sign that to a new car, take some of that cash, sign that to a new car. But now I'm still paying the $500 a month. But I want all the money back. Did you know that in five years of making those payments, that you will have back in your hands $30,000? Because, hmm. what, six times five? 30000 yeah. correct? Correct. But here's the secret. That's not why you're talking to us. You're talking to us to find out where the power lies. Where is the power? What is the banker's mentality? And the banker's mentality is... What do you do with the $6,000? What if you bought more debt with that at the same rate of return? Now, if that's pretty, pretty much average, that's going to produce each year you buy more debt with that $6,000, another $3,600. And just through that same five-year period of time, that's going to produce another separate 46000 with interest, $800, added to the 30000 How does $75,000 now sound to you, Eric? Pretty good. This is financing. This is banking. This is why banks lend money, and we've been kept in the dark our entire lives. I hope, folks, that makes you angry. Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Because it's time we started doing something about it. Self-financing, running a business, putting our money to work. This is that backside. This is what the mutual fund companies, the people who are receiving your money are doing with it. This is how they're growing the money. And yet we're trying to get, for lucky, one or two years, 10% growth. We think we've hit a home run, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important for us to understand principle. Now, 
how often, and, and, and walk us through the cycle if you can, Seth, because I've been pretty much <laughs> taking all the time up here. Do banks let money ever sit? And if, if, if they do or they don't, tell us why and kind of what, what that cycle is. Sure. Well, your centralized banks are able to operate on a derivative uh, lending basis. So when they take uh, a dollar in, they're able to lend 10 out. And and that's a conservative ratio. It, it, some banks, I think it's probably more like $4 to 100 So that derivative lending is a, the ability to create money out of thin air. And they're making loans on that money that was created out of thin air and an interest rate. So they don't want your deposits sitting in their account asleep. They immediately try to put the funds uh, to use. And we've talked about this in prior podcasts, how much money has been created out of thin air in the past uh, decade into the trillions. The Fed Reserve has created a policy just to print money. And, and banks, obviously, are the landing place for those created dollars. And they want them out there being lent to people, being consumed and being cycled back into their bank consistently and constantly. Okay, one more thought on principle. Remember, we told you that money has no value unless it's working. Banks will not let money sit idle in their bank overnight. They won't do it. At 2 o'clock every single day, money moves forward by two hours. All the way around the world, back into their hoppers, into their accounts at 8 o'clock the next morning on their excess money. Money has to move. It always has to be in motion. So this goes totally against the grain of putting money to sleep, having money in accounts. I can't tell you how how much I cringe now when I hear people have all their money socked into qualified assets, bank-controlled, actually bank-owned trusts is what you've invested in. It has nothing in that trust says you're the owner. And that, I hope, is, is scary for people because you don't have access to it. You can't use it. The people you know who are using your money are doubling it far more than you, you think. Okay, enough on principle for now, but uh, it's a topic, uh, like Eric said earlier, we could jump in and talk for hours and hours and hours. The final principle that we need to follow the final rule is called following a well constructed financial plan so the 10 percent rule never spend principal and following a, a well constructed financial plan are the three things that make an individual successful with money literally folks we can fall over backwards and still be successful by following these rules. So what is a well-constructed financial plan? Again, Seth, would you outline what we do for people? Kind of a- explain to them what uh, we call the uh, eight-year analysis is and why that's so critical for, for people's lives? Sure. The, the eight-year analysis is where we take 
someone's specific financial circumstances, their liabilities and their assets, their uh, capitalization in their private bank, and how best to utilize the money in their private bank to get the most uh, bang for the buck, the most volume rate of return on the debt that they purchase if they have liabilities. And it shows you step by step what to attack and in what order of priority to have the biggest uh, wealth building outcome. All right. So that, you know, I want to go a little bit deeper with that, but that really is a beautiful summary. Um, right now, as people start coming in, they're learning. And Eric had uh, said that we sometimes we create more questions than we answer, but that is part of the process. Mm-hmm. We get people reading books, listening to the podcast, and getting in to a point where, hey, this might work for me. So the first thing we tell the people, and we do that in this discovery meeting, why don't we take this for a test drive with your own situation? So we're going to send you a private link. If you'll fill out your financials, it's going to populate this, and we're going to show you side by side using this strategy versus not using it. Not using it means you don't have a financial plan, but by using it, this is something that people end up literally designing it's not designed for them it's something that they feel oh wait a minute if you'll change this number and we 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 start here and we do this oh we can sink our teeth into that and it becomes a roadmap of something to do every single month people are just absolutely shocked when they find out how much time this strategy takes because a lot of people think, oh gosh, I got to learn something new, got to set all this stuff up. I'm here to tell you, I'm probably one of the most complicated private banking clients running all my different companies and strategies and things. And it still doesn't take me 30 minutes a month. Other than that, life does not change at all, other than I'm always thinking about, look, you know, i I got to go acquire that. How am I going to get that money back? And I found an easy way to do that. So a well-constructed constructed roadmap is absolutely critical. Eric, tell me about, do you know anything about the ships on the ocean? <laughs> they have a lot of stuff on them, containers, oil. They bob up and down with the ocean takes a really long time to get someplace what do you think the main part of a ship helps that ship get from one point to the other well to me there's only two main parts that would be the the rudder and the engine okay picture these big massive freighters that forgot to put the rudder on what's going to happen to that ship (laughs) oh it's going someplace all right but you don't know where it's going to end up (laughs) It's going to go probably in circles until it beaches, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be pushed around by the waves. Okay. Inside on that, South? <laughs> yeah, you, your rudder is going to direct where you're going. And, and obviously, you need a, a good rudder and, and a power source to get where you want to go. So it's well thought out. Every single trip that a ship makes is completely charted. You know, they've got to be aware of weather. And do you think a ship has ever had to change course 
once it started? Of yes. Course. Yeah. Of course, because of bad weather or circumstances, they may have to skirt around something, so they have to make a change. So there's no perfect plan out there other than the one that's actively working and fits your needs today. Plans need to be updated on a regular basis. Everybody knows that they're supposed to be working off of a well-designed financial plan. And for people to see for the first time, wow, if I put my assets to work financing my own, look where I'm going to end up for retirement and cash. And this validates self-financing for yourself, folks. The end result is how much money am I under control now? And I didn't raise my income. I didn't work any harder. I didn't even change my cash flow. All I did at the end of the day was change who ends up with the money. And I was able to use money over and over again. Seth, tell us about using dollars over and over again and what the disclaimer is. Sure. Well, and we've, we've talked about this before. It's, it's, a, it's a fundamental concept that, and a construct uh, that, that people have to digest because you're, you think, well, like you mentioned with us, Eric, previously, well, I've got to earn the money to, to pay the bank. Yes, and, and that, that functions within your how much money you make. You can't obviously uh, go out and, and purchase debt and purchase assets that you don't have the capital to purchase. You work within your economy, but we're creating systems. It's a paradigm. It's a mindset whereby you become the bank. You become the banker and you have the responsibility and discipline to pay yourself back. And you're then you have that same dollar to, to put to work again another investment and the perfect example that we like to use and we, we've used it before is in the context of a, an investment property because it's one that most people will understand and let's say that you have a hundred thousand dollars at your uh, disposal and you can purchase a uh, an investment property with that hundred thousand dollars and it gives you uh, let's say twenty five thousand dollars a year in cash flow through rental income and we're simplifying or perhaps oversimplifying the uh, the hypothetical j- just to illustrate the point and as those months uh, go by you've got twenty five thousand dollars at the end of the year that you could then go and perhaps finance your automobile that you've you've got third-party debt on or uh, if you want to get really uh, sexy and and complicated with it you could take your hundred thousand dollars and leverage it across five different properties and use third-party financing and let's say you put 20 percent down on five properties and you use bank lending for the other eighty thousand and now instead of twenty five thousand dollars and rental cash flow per property, you've got five times that. So you've got $125,000 coming back to you within uh, your control in year one. And you could take the bank note of 80% on property one and take that out in the, in the very first year. And you could take half of, the, of property number two's third-party financing out in, pro, in year number one. 
and then you you own property number one free and clear you own 50 percent equity in property number two and 20 percent equity in properties three four and five and then in year two you've got that hundred twenty five thousand dollars in cash flow you take out the rest of property two and property three and so you see the power of that velocity of money and the volume rate of return, Eric. That that's what we're trying to illustrate. And that is that is not a uh, super complicated example, and it's not one that's fantastic. It's actually very very doable, and and people are doing it all the time with that very example that I just explained. Okay, great. Well, let's summarize here. What I need people. Maybe I'd put a challenge. Let's make ourselves better off today than we were yesterday. We have the choice. Most of us, most people, sadly, have chosen not to follow these financial rules that make, you know, financial success. You can't do it a different way. So can you use put one of them in without the other? I recommend that you don't. But I do recommend that we rethink our choices and we include these financial rules that we understand the education in our lives has not ended. There's new things to learn. There's critical things about money we have to learn if we don't want to remain financial slaves to the banks today. So if we want to break away from that, if we want to be more private and create our own system and a legacy for our loved ones, our families, then we need to follow these rules because they will lead us to financial success. So, Seth, tell them how they can get more information from us. You can find us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com, privatebankingstrategies.com. And there you're going to find uh, a gift offer for those who visit us. And that's our what we like to call a red pill book, how, how to grow rich with secrets the banks don't want you to know. And in exchange for your email and contact information, you can either listen to that or, or read that, download it on your computer, read it at your time or listen to it in the audio version. And you'll also begin to get emails from us that explain certain concepts like the seven pillars of private banking strategies, asset protection, financial privacy, velocity of money, tax-free growth, compounding growth, legacy value of not having to pay estate taxes uh, when you have a succession of wealth transfer from a father to children, for example. And so we go through uh, great lengths to help educate our audience in that regard. We've also got blogs. And then ultimately, if this this content's resonating with you and you and you and you want to implement this strategy, you can call us up and and uh, schedule an exploratory call with Vance. And he will walk you through some of the concepts that we're talking about and ultimately create an eight year plan with you that like we've discussed today, a well constructed financial plan with eight year roadmap that shows you exactly what to do and how to do it to increase your wealth. And so we're, we're super excited to share this with folks. And we have a goal to reach as as many people as we can, uh, that they can become financially free and independently wealthy, Eric. Guys, there's a ton of financial podcasts out there. And I just want to say that I've listened to quite a few and I I, I enjoy them. And I I hear a lot of the strategies they talk about, which is, you know, you've got your money in your investment account, you know, watch it grow, 
hold on if the markets are going to, you know, if they're starting to tank, just keep holding on. You'll be fine. And you're the only one that I'm hearing talk about, you know what, let's take that money and make it work for you instead of just watching it grow and or possibly not grow. Right. And then that's a, there's a whole different concept. So I don't, that's not missed on me. Right. I don't think it's missed on the audience. This is going to cause questions. And I want you to give contact information one more time, Seth, because as people are listening to this and then comparing it to other financial podcasts, they, they listen to, they're going to very quickly realize you're saying something completely different absolutely fundamentally completely different uh, and they need to learn more they need to reach out to you so can you give it to them one more time sure it's privatebankingstrategies.com privatebankingstrategies.com and there's where you're going to find a wealth of resources to 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 ben john yeah absolutely Vance and seth thank you so much for your time today thank you thank eric. you eric really appreciate it you bet. And our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And here's the thing. Share the podcast. Share this, this double session that we just got done with, right? The guys had a lot of information in here. When you share this with somebody else, it's kind of in that same, in your same situation, you know, whatever your age group is, then start talking about it together and say, you know what, what, what questions do we have together? I, I bet I'm willing to bet that the guys would be more than happy to entertain a group phone call to kind of answer some more of those questions. And then you guys can do your eight year plans individually, but uh, yeah, start talking about it with your friends, see what they think. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of private banking strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.